At Life Street Community Church, we believe that we are the church. It's not a building, a program, or a tradition. A church is people. You and I are the church, and we have influence. We have responsibility, and we have the honor and privilege of being called God's church. Each of us is part of that church, and that includes you. I'm sorry, that's good. <laughs> We're good. So I'm just going to get right to it today, because it's going to be a fun one. I cannot wait. How many are excited for what I'm about to talk about this morning? Oh, yeah. You don't even know. You don't even know. It's going to be good. We're, we're going to go to... What's that? Uh, thank you, Andy. I know Andy's always excited. Andy's excited. Um, invite you to turn in the Bibles that are in your seats there, the soft co- cover ones, to Numbers chapter 18. I believe it's page 120 in, uh, in those soft cover Bibles. 120. Um, and today we're going to continue our series on money called It's Not Mine. Um, and if you haven't been with us, the seagull is a reference from uh, Finding Nemo. And uh, you know, if you know about the seagulls in the movie, what do, they, what do they say constantly? Mine, 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 mine. So that's why we felt it was appropriate to put a seagull on there and call it It's Not Mine. Um, now, I don't know where you are today. Perhaps there are some of you in here that financially... Life is copacetic. You are doing good. You've got disposable income, more than you know what to do with, and you're just looking for ways to give it away. I'm so happy for you. Um, then there are some of you in here today that you're doing okay, but you know, it's a, you're just managing it, but you're doing all right. You're, you're at a, a healthy place. There are some of you that are struggling. You're struggling to make ends meet, and you're, just, you're working it, and you're trying your best, but it is tight. And then there are some of you in here that are drowning. Right, that you're just absolutely underwater, and I don't know where you fall in the spectrum. Okay, I don't, I don't, uh, I'm not going to try and guess at that. That's that's personal information, and I know that's. But I recognize that we have a variety of people in the room that come from just all different um, economic places. So I want to be clear. We say this every week, but I'm we're not preaching this message because um, our church needs money. Okay, we're not we're not preaching this because. Life tree is hurting, so it was like, hey, the board's like, Pastor Dan, can you do a financial series? You know, my, my pick, that's not why we're doing this at all, no. Um, and uh, I'm not doing this because of any other reason except for the fact that as we were, as a team, away last fall at a beautiful lake house preparing for this year, we felt like God said it was going to be a year of multiplication, and just what did that mean? And we felt like we should do a series just on what a healthy perspective on money is. Because so much of our day is involved with money, right? So much of what we do, so much of our, I mean, you have apps on your phone to pay. Some of you stopped at Starbucks on the way here today. Some of you got gas, right? It's transactional. Life is transactional. Every, like most of you are clothed, which is a good thing. All those clothes were typically bought with money, right? You got here with with cars that you bought with money, and you staying in places that you purchase with money. Money has to do with so much of our life, where you eat, the food that you will buy after this. Most of it, unless you are farmers and grew your own and butchered your own what, you know, meat or whatever, like this is, you bought it with money. Okay, life is transactional. Money is so much a part of our life, and we just felt like we needed to provide a healthy perspective on money. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I wrestled with this message. A lot. I wrote this message this week, and uh, it was all good and done. And then last night I rewrote the entire thing um, because I'm just I'm wrestling with it. And um, I hate that I wrestle with this message because money should be easy to talk about, right? It's just a thing. 
right? Should it be hard? It's like saying it shouldn't be that hard to talk about um, something. Um, but instead, I think what's happened is that money has been so abused by people, by us even, and it's so controlling and has such potential for harm that it becomes very difficult to talk about. And uh, so what happens is we just avoid it altogether. And it would be a lot easier for me not to talk about this message today. It would be the easy way out. Um, some of you are wishing I would take the easy way out right now. Um, but I'll be honest, I've, I've had enough of that and I'm going to speak freely today. Um, so uh, buckle up. Um, money is deeply spiritual. And what we do with it matters. Plain and simple. What we do with it matters. Um, and today I want to talk specifically about the concept of tithing. All right, we're three weeks into this, uh, this series and we're going to talk about tithing today. And now I want to remember, make sure you remember, I have no idea who gives what. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm not talking at anybody. I don't know if you tithe. I don't know. Hey, maybe you're all tithe. Great. Fantastic. Um, I have no idea. Uh, here's the thing. If you give more money, I don't get a penny of it. It doesn't make a difference to me. Like, this is not motivated in any way by saying, hey, pastor's going to get up and talk about money because he would like, you know, I don't know, get a new truck or something. No, it's not. I, it, it makes no difference to me whatsoever, um, theoretically. I have no vested interest. If you are here today and, you're, and you are tithing and you, you get tithing, you've been doing tithing for a long time, hopefully throughout the message you're just going to be, you don't have to do it physically, but you'll be like nodding along with me going, yep, 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 that makes sense. If you, are, if you don't tithe, um, if you're sitting here thinking this was absolutely the wrong Sunday to come to this church, okay, like I should not, what, I'm going to, you know, you're elbowing the person next to you, why'd you bring me, come on, bad decision. All right, don't worry. I'm just coming for you. Okay, that's it. Um, that's all I got to say. Um, if I communicate this message right, okay, my goal is that by the end of the message, you'll be like, hey, I can't wait to tithe. Where's the bucket? Send them around. Send them around. I can't wait to tithe. Really, that, I'm genuinely serious. That's my goal for the message today. So I've set the bar really high. Yes, agreed? Okay, really high. That's the bar. Okay. Um, so let's just be clear right off the bat. The concept of tithing seems counterintuitive. Right. We have financial goals, and I don't know how many of you are good at math, but when we say things like, um, you'll have more if you give. Any math teachers? Right? Like, take away some and you'll have more. Okay. Um, so what feels logical to me, this is really complex, what feels logical to me, this is like deep analytics, is um, I'll have more if I keep it. That's, that's about as deep as my math skills go. Um, and so the confusion that we feel is the result of one of three possible things, right? The first is what I call a contradiction. A contradiction, uh, uh, they're opposing truths, right? They're things that contradict each other. They are impossible. It can't possibly be the case. So you can't, like it's, just, it's, it's a contradiction that if I give, I'll have more, right? That doesn't work. Contradiction. Right. The second possibility is that it's a paradox, right? A paradox sounds like a contradiction, but upon further discovery or exploration, right, once you dig a little more, you go, oh, you know, now it makes sense. On the surface, it seemed like it was a contradiction, but after some more digging, right, I understand that there's actually... Uh, truth here. And then there's what we call a mystery. A mystery basically says, I'll never know. That's it. I don't know. I'm not going to figure this one out. Um, 
So I want to be. I want to make sure. You, so you know, I'm not going to say this morning that um, tithing is a paradox, right? So maybe you think I'm going to jump right to there. I'm not. I'm not going to say that if we discover more, right? Um, that I'm going to explain it to you in a way that logically the math is going to work. I'm not going to do that. Um, I'm also not going to say that tithing is a mystery, that it's about, you know, God up there, you just got to trust him and take his word. I'm not going to say that, okay? What I am going to say is that tithing is a contradiction. It's um, not possible. There's no universe where you can give and have more, right? The, it's, it's an impossibility. It doesn't make sense, never has, never will, Okay? Um, it's just as much a matter of faith as believing Jesus rose from the dead. It's not possible. Didn't happen. It can't happen. Um, so not only is it a contradiction, but um, it's it's something that's not possible, and God makes it happen anyway. Right? That's what He does. It's it's not possible, and so um, what God does because we tithe actually takes it to an even crazier level. So I'm going to create a new category. All right. Um, I think tithing is literally miraculous. I think it's a miracle. I think that's what it is. And I'm going to tell you why. First, we're going to pray. Okay, ready? God, help me make sense. Amen. Okay. Tithing is God's idea. Not man's idea. Nobody thought this up. Originated with God. He said, hey, why don't you try this? I think you should do this. Um, he instructed the Israelites thousands and thousands of years ago um, to tithe. Tithing literally means a tenth. That's what it means. It's a tenth. Okay. Um, and it was basically give a tenth of your crops or a tenth of your herds or flocks or your money. or th- But it was a tenth. To give a tenth of whatever it was that was your livelihood. You give a tenth of that. That was a tithe. Uh, the Levites were a priestly clan in Israel. And uh, they had no land, no crops, no animals. They were like pastors. They didn't have a real job. Okay? They just, I don't know how they get paid, but they just sort of exist. Um, so how could they tithe? How could Levites tithe? They didn't, they didn't own anything. Right? And so God had a plan. He said, listen, you're going to collect the tithes from the people. But, so, but that's since that's, you know, I don't, so I don't want to get you in trouble. Right? Um, I got a plan for you. So I'm going to read what God's plan was for the Levites as they tithe. And I want to, I want to ask you to listen for something. As I read this, and you'll see it up on the screen, it'll be, it's on your, hopefully if you're open to it, Numbers chapter 18, um, listen for what word God uses to describe the tithe. Okay, there's a, there's a qualifier he keeps putting on it, so listen for that word. So we're going to start in verse 26. Numbers chapter 18, verse 26, it says this, Give these instructions to the Levites, to the priests. When you receive from the people of Israel the tithes I have assigned as your allotment, Give a tenth of the tithes you receive. A tithe of the tithes to the Lord as a sacred offering. The Lord will consider this offering to be your harvest offering, as though it were your first grain from your own threshing floor or wine from your own wine press. Right? Since you don't have anything, I'll consider that your stuff. Verse 28. You must present one-tenth of the tithe received from the Israelites as a sacred offering to the Lord. This is the Lord's sacred portion, and you must present it to Aaron the priest. Be sure to give the Lord the best portions of the gifts given to you. Also, give these instructions to the Levites. When you present the best part of your offering, it will be considered as though it came from your own threshing floor or wine press. You Levites and your families may eat this food wherever you wish, for it's 
your compensation for serving the tabernacle. Verse 32. You will not be considered guilty for accepting the Lord's tithes from the people, right? If you give the best portion to the priests, but be careful not to treat the holy gifts of the people of Israel as though they were common, because if you do, you'll die. Okay. So did you hear it? There's a couple, there's a lot there, but did you hear the word? I don't know, there's a certain word that I heard, and the word was sacred. The tithe is sacred. Okay. Sacred means holy. It means it belongs to God. It's dedicated, right? Hold it with high regard. It's not like everything else. It's different, right? It's special. It's set apart. It's not common. This is God's, okay? All money belongs to God. And he entrusts us with it. We've talked about this in the past few weeks. He entrusts us with his money, right? But it's not ours. It's not mine, title of the series. And he asks for the tithe back, just a tenth back. It's his. It's his portion. So imagine with me for a minute. Let's do a little brainstorm. Or just a, let's go on a trip. Imagine you and a friend go for a little drive. And your friend, I don't know, is this really smart person and says, let's stop at the donut store. Okay, along the way. And a friend walks in and buys a dozen donuts. Right, smart friend. And now they get back in the car and they're driving and they ask you to hold the box while they're driving. And when they get back to the house, they go, you know what? You can keep the box. Just give me the Boston cream. That's all I want, just the Boston cream because it's getting smart. Um, that's what's going on here. God says, these are all my donuts. These are all my donuts, but I just want one. Right? They're not ours. But he says, listen, I'm going to let you keep most of them. They belong to me, but I'm so generous. I'm going to give you the box. Just give me just give me just a little bit. Just give me one. And God promises that he'll provide if we won't take what's his. Really, that's it. I will keep giving you donuts if you just keep giving me one. Listen, I would sign up for that deal all day long. So let's read this. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. This is the textbook really passage that people use when it comes to tithing. Verse, verse 8 will be on the screen. It says, Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? He says, you have cheated me of the tithes and offerings. Dude, you haven't been giving me tithes and offerings, he's saying. You're not giving me my one donut. Verse 9, you're under a curse for the whole nation has been holding out on the donuts. Bring me all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. And if you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, listen to this, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great, you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Then all the nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. God says, if you trust me and continue to affirm your trust by giving back just a tithe, I will keep being your provider. I will keep being your provider. See, tithing declares, one, it's not mine, and two, God is my provider. When you tithe, it's saying, God is my provider. It says, I trust you, I believe in you, you gave me the donuts. You always give me the donuts. And the source is critical. The source has power over us. See, if your employer is your source, who has power over you? Right? 
If you're trusting in the person who signs your checks, they've got power. But I don't trust. Listen, according to the IRS, I'm employed by Life Tree Community Church, right? But I don't even trust in the church. God's my provider. God's my provider. It's not, it's not here. I'm thankful for the church, but my trust is in God. He gives me my skill and my ability and my opportunity to work. When I tithe, I am declaring, God, you're my provider. And not only that, tithing is one of the most tangible declarations of faith. Think about this. Tithing literally puts your money where your mouth is. When you tithe, you, we can talk about, we can sing songs, we can read verses, we can post things on social media and share and like and comment and do all this stuff and say, I got the bumper sticker on my car, I'm, I, wore the, I wore the cross, you know, I'm doing all this. Listen, you, we can do all that stuff. This is where the rubber hits the road. Do we really believe that God is who he says he is? Because he says... Bring me the tithe, and I will provide for you. I can say I have faith, but my checkbook is the truth. My online banking statement, that's the truth. I'm going to guess this room has never been so sweaty. I'm going to try to use God's own words here. He just says this, try it. Put me to the test. Very simply, try it. Put me to the test. Sometimes money has so much power over us. Some in this room right now, I don't know, I don't know who, but I'm guessing, are genuinely fearful of this. When I start talking about this, you're going, oh, that's, the, that's an official sound, uh, right? It's not possible. I can't afford it. You don't know my bills. It's not reasonable. That's a lot of donuts. Listen, it doesn't matter how much you have, it's hard to tithe. Granted, sometimes it can be more complicated or hard the more money you have, right? If somebody gives you $10 and you've got to tithe a dollar, if somebody gives you a million dollars and you've got to tithe 100000 ooh, there's a lot I could do with that $100,000. I mean, a dollar's a dollar, but... So you see, actually, tithing gets more complicated the more you have. So that's why... This whole thing is all about faith. What we struggle to grasp is that God gives us so much. God gave me the box. And I'm counting pennies. I've had people ask me, and I'm just going to preemptively say this, should I tithe on my gross income or my net income? Question, fair question. So you tell me. Would you rather God open the gross windows of heaven or the net windows of heaven? I remember, there's a story in Scripture of a woman named Mary Magdalene who uh, Jesus had ministered to this woman. And this is a scene, this story where she opens up this expensive perfume and pours it out all over his feet just sort of as an honoring thing to Jesus to recognize who he was for her. And people got all upset saying the money could have been used to feed the poor. We could have used that money for better things. I remember there was a man at our other church, a good friend of mine who's, who passed, unfortunately, way too early. His name was Mike Endicott, and he said this, If you're still measuring out your offerings to God, you've yet to see what he's worth. You want to split hairs between net and gross? That's up to you. Right? 
My advice, this is in the first book of Dan. Round up. That's it. That's really, you could take it to the, that's just, you get that one for free. There's a man named Peter Marshall who said this, Give according to your income, unless God might make your income according to your giving. Ow. Okay, that's it. I promise I'll stop. Listen, I can tell you story after story of how God provides. I can sit here all day long and tell you we've been tithing. I grew up in a household that, listen, there was no option. My parents gave me my allowance with, a, with, with money separated that this was going to be the tithe. So they gave it to me with this. Like, and here's the envelope. I'm like, all right. Tithing, tithing, right? I'm trying to figure out how do you tithe on like three dollars and seventeen cents, you know? Like, I'm like, is that thirty-one or thirty-two cents? You know, like, yeah, round up. Okay, round up. Um, we have always tithed. We have not made lots of money in our life. It hasn't always been that way. And you know what? God provides in miraculous ways. Let me just tell you one story. The story of our house. Um, I've probably shared this story with some of you before. Some of you haven't heard it. We wanted to buy in Robbinsville. We're first-time buyers, had never bought a house before. We have no money. We're coming from a ministry position at another church where it was great, but we didn't actually have a house that we owned. We stayed in a parsonage. Some churches do that. They provide like a house that you get to live in, which was nice. We lived in Pennington, Pennington Borough. If you know Pennington, that's a nice place to live. It was great. It was awesome. Nice little house. But the problem is when we move, we have nothing because there's no equity. I own nothing. So I'm just, I got nothing. So I'm trying to you gotta make a down payment when you buy a house. Do you know that? Make it get like money down. I was like, oh, and they're like, yeah, we want like you know at least you know ten or twenty percent. And I'm like doing the math. I'm like, what? That's a lot of money. Like we don't have that kind of money saved. We got a young couple. We're just trying to get. Now we want to start a church. And God called me here. And how am I supposed to? But I feel like I'm supposed to be in Robbinsville. But have you seen the house prices in Robbinsville? How? How are we going to do that? And we're we're in a hurry. And so we're just trying to do this stuff. And we find a house. It's like, oh, this is a nice house. We, we like this one, and we put an offer in, and we're like, oh, this is going to be great. It's like at the very ceiling what we're qualified for, but we're like, yeah, we're going to do it, and they didn't take our offer because somebody else had a better loan. It's like, oh. So then we keep looking, we sell this other house, we're like, oh, this is a nice house, but, you know, it's really probably too small for us, it's way too expensive, and we're getting desperate, and we just, uh, we walked away from it, and uh, we just thought, you know, it, it'll be okay, but it was just, it was too much, and so we walked away, and it's like, you know, we just... There's probably something better. So we found another house. We're like, oh, this will work. It was really cheap. Like, really cheap. Like, surprisingly cheap. Like, like too good to be true. And so we put an offer in on the house. We're like, this is, wow. And they accept it. And we go to, like, the inspection and stuff. And the inspector's jumping on the roof like a trampoline. And I'm like, oh, I don't think that's good. And then there's, like, it's like, it's like summer, so the grass is all brown, but there's this green spot. I'm like, what's that? He's like, oh, I think that's your septic. It's like, oh, I don't think that's good. And then we went in like the, the basement of the house just doing the walkthrough. And on the way back up, there was like, there's like a light bulb hanging off the wall. And there's a dead bat dried hanging on the light bulb. I'm like, I don't think we should buy this house. And the inspector's like, you should just walk away. I can easily give you a reason. So we walked away. We're like, God, what are you doing? This is so frustrating. We're trying to do everything right. And it seems like money's just not there. And we're trying to be faithful. And we can't afford to live here. I just want a normal house that doesn't have bats hanging off of light bulbs. And I don't want, like, stuff coming up through the grass. And I don't, I just want a house. Right? God, what are you doing? So we kind of come back to one of the houses we looked at, like, nine months previous. It's like, okay, here's that. We'll go back to that same house. Like, we'll go look again. It was too small. But maybe there's something we missed. And we walked through. And you know what? We, we missed a door. The door led to a, literally, no joke. We missed it. Our agent missed it. You can, certified truth. 
a house looked like a wood cap, like a wood, wood, like log cabin. Like everything was wood, wood paneled, wood doors, wood trim. Everything was wood. So it blended in. It looked like a wall to me. Apparently there was a doorknob. I missed it. A full basement. Totally never saw it. We would have probably made an offer originally had we seen it. But for nine months we walked away from this place. We go back. Like, oh, I think we can make this house work. Guess what? In that nine months, you can ask my wife, not lying, asking price went down $100,000. Percentage point interest rates went down a full percentage point. Okay. I tell you, God blinded my eyes to that door. When you're, when you're just following God, he provides in miraculous ways. Not only that, God was like, he wanted to show off. Somebody else made a higher offer on the house, they took ours. Because we wrote them a little note saying we want to start a church. And they were like, we like your story. I said, okay. They left us a candle on the mantle in the house. A brand new Yankee candle with a note praying a blessing over a house. And that we would you know, make, a, make a difference in this community. I'm like, oh, wow. And they said, oh, by the way, we want to throw in three months worth of landscaping for you. So you don't have to worry about it while you're moving in. Come on, who does that? Nobody does that. You don't buy a house and they give you stuff. Don't work like that. They're like trying to take stuff, and they're like, "Yeah, you want stuff? You just, yeah, just whatever we can do to help you out." I'm telling you, I don't have to give. Giving's not a have to. God does not demand it. To be a member at Life Tree, guess what? There's no financial requirement. I don't know what you give. Nobody's checking. Nobody's checking. It's between you and God. It's not a have to. But God wants to, you to give. Because it releases him to be your provider. He's saying, I got so much I want to give to you, and you're just holding it over here. You just give it to me, and I got more I want to give you. I want to open the windows of heaven. Listen, whatever God wants to throw out of win- heaven's windows, right? I want to catch it. Right? I want to open the windows. Throw away. Go ahead. I'm right here. Throw it. I want to encourage you. Give God a chance. Because when you declare that God is your provider, something truly miraculous happens, right? He provides. He provides. And not only does he provide enough for you, but he provides enough for others. It's not about you. It's about so much more. God's got so many big plans. Listen, God gave us so much, I gave away a car. And I'm not talking about a junker. Anna and I had a chance. We had a car. We were, we were trying to sell it. We could have sold it. It was Blue Book, eight, eight grand. It was a Toyota RAV4. It wasn't super high miles, but we felt like we, we were, somebody gave us, a, her parents had helped us out and gave us something newer. We are like, we have a car. What do we do with it? We could sell it and make a lot of money. It was like, you know what? Let's give it away. I have been given four cars. I gave one. I got four. Like, I'm telling you, you can't outgive God. I'm not saying it to brag as a testimony. I'm just saying that you can't outgive him. You won't have room to take it in. You'll have so many donuts. You won't know what to do with them all. When God knows that we know that he's the provider, he knows he can give us more because we'll hold it with open hands. Because we'll know it's not ours. All right. I'm going to invite Nikki up as I close this morning. Perhaps you're asking this morning, okay, that's all well and good, but where does that tithe go then? Maybe you're curious. Maybe, listen, and I understand that's a question for you. I just want to tell you something. I'll be open. I'm happy to tell you. 10% of what comes into the church, right off the top, we give to missions. 10% of everything that comes in that's undesignated, right? Like if you designate for something, we have to give to that legally. 
But 10% of everything you give goes to missionaries. We support over 40 missionaries and organizations. Your tithes help people in need. We have a benevolence ministry. We, we give to people that need money. Your tithes buy Bibles. Your tithes buy soap journals. We invest your tithes in our children and in our youth. We invest your tithes in building strong marriages and families. Your tithes serve our community. We invest in Robbinsville. Your tithes help families who have experienced loss. Your tithes help throw parties for people with disabilities. Your tithes help build churches in Mexico and schools in Peru. And that's just the parts we know about. Like, that's just the first thing. That's what we know we're giving to. Who knows where it goes from there and what it starts and what it catalyzes and what seeds bear fruit. So, it's a new month. It's March. New X Factor. If you're new to us, X Factors are something we're starting this year, a year of multiplication. feel like these are things that help us grow in our personal faith. So here's the X Factor. So every month we're doing a, a different spiritual discipline, and you can guess what the X Factor is going to be for, for March. If you take out your programs, you'll find it in an envelope on there, a giving envelope. It's called the 10-15-20 Challenge. The 10-15-20 Challenge. It's really simple. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but if you've never tied before, this month, you don't have to do it. Totally optional. Highly recommend it. Windows of Heaven. It's up to you. If you've never tied before this month, would you consider 10? You're going to give 10% of your income. Again, between you and God. It's a way to help you grow in your faith. Not because we need it, but because when you give, God does things for you and he does things through you and it's just, it's an explosion of what he wants to do in you. If you've been tithing, consider taking to 15%. And if you're really feeling bold, take it to 20. Double tie. Just for a month. I was thinking, as we planned out, I was like, you know, I probably should have picked one of those like five Sunday months to do this. But we just stuck with a four Sunday month. It's all good. It's on your offering envelopes. You don't have to circle, you know, this is my 10, this is my 15. You don't have to do that. I don't, we don't need to know. But you know. And God will know. And when you give, it will release God to be your provider. We get to partner with God in the miracle of multiplication. We say, God, here's my five loaves, here's my two fish, go feed 5,000. And he'll do it. See, when you bring your tithe, God will heal marriages and restore dreams. He'll redeem addicts. He'll write names on invitations to paradise. See, your checks change lives. It's not possible. And he does it anyway. God has bigger plans for your money than you do. You don't have to give, it's a get to. And if we will, we'll open the door for God to provide in God sized ways. I'm going to close with this Captain Uriah Levy was a philanthropist from Philadelphia. He was once asked how he could give so much to God's work and still possess great wealth. Very wealthy man. How do you give so much and still have so much? He said, Well, as I shovel it out, 
God shovels it in. And he has a bigger shovel. That's about as deep as it's going to get. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. I think he's going to sing a song that she wrote that relates. And I want to just, this is our response time this morning. Take a minute where you are and just say, God, speak. Should I go 10? Should I go 15? Should I go 20? Whatever. But just let God speak to you. Again, it's between you and him. Nobody's counting. God, we declare today that you are our provider. All we have is yours. It's not ours. And what we do with what you give us matters. Today we return to you a portion of what you've entrusted to us. We believe you can do more with this than we ever could. We believe that as we give, you will open the windows of heaven. And we believe that as we keep giving, you will keep providing. We declare that tithing is miraculous. In giving, we will receive even more because you can provide jobs and better jobs. You can provide raises and unexpected bonuses. You can provide benefits and sales and commissions. When random checks arrive in the mail, we'll know it's you. When money is mysteriously found in our pockets, we'll know it's you. When we receive blessings without explanation, we'll know it's you. We believe that as we give, this church will have all we need to accomplish the vision that you put in our hearts. We'll be able to start new churches. We'll be able to generously help our community. We believe that when we give, your message of life will go out from this church to every continent on the planet. We acknowledge that your provision is not for us to build bigger barns to hold our stuff. And we affirm that you give to us so that we can partner with you in the miracle of provision. Do it again today with what we are about to return to you. In the mighty name of Christ Jesus we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you were encouraged by this message. For more information about Life Tree, please check us out online at lifetreescc.com.